Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration. Music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and HMS Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. Yeah. 
our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee today for Thy blessings to us. We pray that Thou wilt help us to learn to be true Christians and bring blessing to all who know us. Remember us in this broadcast and everyone who listens in Christ's name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, Sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. Every one of us at some time or other gets discouraged and is tempted to throw up our hands and quit. This song by the King's Heralds has some very positive and helpful commands for these blue moments. And as the song suggests, never be sad or desponding. Trust in the Lord. Never give up. 
Never be sad or desponding, only have faith to believe. Grace for the duties before thee, ask of thy God and receive. Never give up, never give up, never give up to thy sorrows. Jesus will bid them depart. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Sing when your trials are greatest. Trust in the Lord and take heart. Never be sad or desponding. Lean on the arm of thy Lord, dwell in the depths of his mercy, thou shalt receive thy reward. Never give up, never give up, never give up to thy sorrows, Jesus will bid them depart. Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, sing when your trials are greatest, trust in the Lord and take heart. Here now is HMS Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, his subject, Christians Anonymous. Two times two are four. Two times three are six. Two times four are eight. And so on, right through to the end of the multiplication table. Who wrote the multiplication table? Well, who did? Nobody knows. It was written, invented, discovered, built, created, whatever words you wish to use, by anonymous. Without the multiplication table, there would be no modern science, no bridges, railroads, automobiles, airplanes, radio, television, no newspapers, a thousand things would not be here. In fact, we would not be here were it not for the multiplication table and everything that's based upon it. Yet we do not know who wrote it. And by the way, most of us, and that includes those listening to this broadcast, could not name our ancestors, our grandfathers and grandmothers, four or five generations back. We know our parents, our grandparents, and possibly our great-grandparents. But from there on, things just fade out into the great anonymous. It's so everywhere, every field of life. Next time you go to church, pick up the hymn book. You'll find that at least 20 or 30 of the greatest hymns are credited to this unknown figure, Anonymous. Some of them are the very greatest hymns of the church. For instance, Come Thou Almighty King, Help us Thy name to sing, Help us to praise. Father all glorious, or all victorious, Come and reign over us, ancient of days. Who wrote it? Nobody knows. So with fairest Lord Jesus. And what a beautiful song that is. Praise ye the Father and the great Latin hymn, Adesti Fidelis. These and others were written by unknown hands, unknown to us, known to God. What a debt the Christian world owes to Christians Anonymous. Who first used fire? Who invented the wheel? Who learned the secret of the lever? Who invented the alphabet? Nobody knows. Anonymous, Anonymous. There's that unforgettable story about five men in the second chapter of Mark's Gospel. 
One of them was hopelessly ill. The other four were his friends. These men had heard of Jesus. They attempted to bring their friend to him. The Savior was in a house packed with people who had come to hear him. There wasn't even standing room outside near the door. What a preacher Jesus was. So different from most of us. Today people seem to like to sit as far away from the preacher as they can and leave a great gulf fixed between the pulpit and the hearer which nobody could cross over in human friendship or spiritual fellowship. But with Jesus it was different. They tried to get as close to him as they could to hear every word from his holy lips. So these four men came, bringing their sick friend. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed whereon the sick of the palsy lay. Yes, they went up on the flat roof of this Palestinian house, pulled off the tiles, made an opening large enough. They must have used ropes because they left the bed right down in front of Jesus. There was the sick man needing his healing power. And notice the significant words of the fifth verse. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Notice he saw their faith, not particularly the faith of a sick man, but the faith of the four men who brought him. The story goes on and speaks of the criticism of some of the theologians who were present. Who is this man who claims to forgive sins? Then Jesus, knowing their thoughts and inward reasoning, said, Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go to thy house. Immediately he was healed, and those gathered there were amazed and glorified God. Who were these four men of faith, these men whose faith was so great that they acted upon it? Think of the trip they must have made. We do not know how far they came, probably miles, carrying their friend on their shoulders, one man at each corner of the narrow bed. They had faith enough to fill their hearts with determination. It must have been a strenuous job to carry the sick man up to the roof of the house, to tear up the roof. Then someone had to get ropes to let him down. Someone had to exert the authority or get permission to open another man's rooftop. But when Jesus saw their faith, he responded to it. Who were these men? Jones, Smith, Johnson, Hunter, who were they? We do not know their names. Christians Anonymous. They were not looking for credit or reputation or personal glory. They were seeking help for their friend. They were coming to Jesus in faith. They were working for God without any thought of human reward. After all, the scripture says that we are workers together with God. And those beautiful words are in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. It's God's work. It is God's world. Why do we try to take credit to ourselves? Why are we so filled with desire for personal exaltation? If there is a curse in the Christian church today, it's a desire for reputation, the desire to make a record, the desire to shine. Did not Jesus tell the story of two men, one of them boasted of his own attainments? He described one of these men as standing before God in prayer and saying within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. 
I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. I'm just reading these words from Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus condemned such self-praise of the other man who stood afar off and would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Do we not need more Christians anonymous today? Christians who are willing to serve God because they love him, rather than because of what they can get out of it? There were many in New Testament days who served Christ without a name, Christians Anonymous. No one knows who they were. There was the man who made the Lord's Supper possible. Jesus told some of his disciples that when they entered the city, they would meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, said Jesus. The man of the house into which he goes will make you welcome. Who carried that pitcher of water? Who was the man of the house? We shall never know until we meet them we trust in the kingdom of God. Then there was the town clerk in Ephesus, who by his quick thinking and common sense saved the life of the Apostle Paul. I should like to have known that man, for he was able to control the hysterical mob and pour the oil of calm reason over that boiling sea of humanity in the great open-air theater in Ephesus. All we know about him is his position. He was the town clerk. Acts 19.35. But his name is not recorded. As Dr. Lukak reminds us, there is no one who can set a limit to the amount of good a person can do if he does not care who gets the credit. Surely in this Jesus gave us an example. For it is written in Holy Scripture, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 7. Before the exaltation came the humiliation. The name of Jesus is proclaimed not by himself, but by others, by you and by me. He made himself of no reputation. He was willing to be humble, to be unknown, to be anonymous. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Acts 10.38. What an example for us. It all comes to one thing, love. Do we live, work, act for the love of God and the love of others, or for love of self? The true servant of God will always endeavor to make Jesus prominent before the people, to hold up the Lord and keep himself in the shadows. He will make the Lord Christ and his work first and best in everything and always. What makes people glorify themselves instead of Christ? Is it not because the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It was that great prince of preachers, the apostle to the world, who said, 
For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the secret of it. We are to glorify Jesus in our preaching. We are to be his servants. And just as the light shone out of darkness at the beginning of the creation of the world, so it must shine from our hearts, so that the light will always illuminate the face of Christ. What God needs in the world today is more Christians anonymous, more of his servants who seek the glory of Christ more than anything else in the world. One who was in many ways such a Christian anonymous often quoted in my hearing a poem by Professor Ensley describing a true minister of God, and I give it here. The hand that held it. He held the lamp of truth that day so low that none could miss the way, and yet so high to bring in sight that picture fair, the world's great light. That gazing up, the lamp between, the hand that held it scarce was seen. He held the picture stooping low to lips of little ones below, then raised it to the weary saint and bade him drink when sick and faint. They drank the picture thus between. The hand that held it scarce was seen. He blew the trumpet soft and clear that trembling sinners need not fear. Then with a louder note and bold to raise the walls of Satan's hold, the trumpet coming thus between, the hand that held it scarce was seen. But when the captain says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, come, lay down the pitcher and the lamp, lay down the trumpet, leave the camp. The hand that held them will then be seen, clasped in those pierced ones, not between. Only Christ, no I 
This is Orville Iverson with this thought. How much brighter is the upward look which reaches to heaven and helps us to go forward in faith. And now, here with a final word for you is H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Have faith in God. No frowning and fret. Have faith in God before the sun is set. Have faith in God who never will forget. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Remember, friend, young friend, remember our wonderful new Bible course, Bright Horizon. Send for those lessons. We hope that all of our radio friends will write to us. We appreciate your letters. We depend upon your interest and your prayers. So... Please write. We trust this program today has served to give spiritual blessing. And we invite you to join us again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the voice of prophecy. And so we say to all, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Oh.